0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, freedom. It is America's greatest asset, but could it be America's greatest liability? What is the secret sauce that has made American liberty to stand out as unique in American history? Is American freedom as we know it at risk? Do we need a rebirth of freedom? If so, how do we go about it? Those are some of the questions we plan to address today with author and social critic Oz Guinness. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss any of this program or you want to hear it again, you can find it all archived later at TonyPerkins.com. Uh, I'm sure uh, we're going to get it into this during this conversation, but that is the Bible. Look, in fact, I I, I know we're going to talk about it, but let me encourage you to join us in our two-year journey through the Bible, Stand on the Word. Now, we just wrapped up a a two-year journey. We're wrapping that up, and we're going to start again on January the 1st, and we have some very exciting and helpful tools for you if you'd like to join us on this journey. So it only takes 10, 15 minutes a day. We've got the Bible broken down chronologically in, two, in a, in a two-year journey. And so you can do it as a family, uh, do it with a reading group, with friends. Uh, churches can do it. It's all laid out for you with a very uh, easy, interactive uh, calendar. Go to frc.org Bible and join us in this two-year journey through the Word. Well, I'm excited today to have joining me in studio Oz Guinness. He is a prolific author and incisive social critic. He addresses these questions that I just laid out directly in his most recent book, The Magna Carta of Humanity, Sinai's Revolutionary Faith and the Future of Freedom. Oz, welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you, Tony. A great privilege.
0: Well, it's so good to talk to you. And, and, and you were at our recent Prevote Stand Summit in Leesburg, Virginia, did an outstanding job talking very similarly about uh, the the, the Premise of this book, the ideas contained in this, and you carry forward in this book um, the Magna Carta of humanity, the the contrast between 1776 and 1789 that was at the center of your last book, the Last Call for Liberty. Now, in that Last Call for Liberty, you put forth the proposition that America stands in conflict and and contention over these two views of freedom, one from 1776 and one from 1789, one being the American Revolution, the other being the French Revolution, two very different approaches to freedom with two very different outcomes. I- explain that to our, our listeners who may not have read the first book or heard our
1: first interview. Mm-hmm. Well, most Americans and much of the world realize America deeply divided as deeply divided as at any time since just before the Civil War. But why? Is it the social media? Is it the coastals against the heartlanders? Is it the populists over against the borderless world? Globalists? I don't think so. All those factors are there. The deepest division is those who understand America and freedom from the perspective of the American Revolution, 1776, which, of course, is largely, not fully, but largely rooted in the Reformation Mm -hmm. and its rediscovery of what was called the Hebrew Republic. And then on the other side, you have the ideas flowing down from the French Revolution. So people don't realize postmodernism, political correctness, tribal politics, the sexual revolution, the cancel culture, critical race theory, all these things are the heirs of the ideas of the French Revolution not the American Revolution. And I would argue there is much a secession from the republic as the South in the Civil War. And yet Americans aren't looking at it in that big picture way. So when we talked about that contrast, the, that conflicting view
0: of liberty back a year and a half, two years ago, where is America today? Are we any closer to resolving or, or bridging this divide
1: I don't think we're any closer. In fact, the debts are more bitter and more conflicted than ever. I would put the choice like this. What America's facing, put in three words, revolution, oligarchy, homecoming. What do I mean? Revolution is what we're talking about, the cultural Marxism. And I would say, please, Lord, No. You lived through through that. Your history... uh, I was a seven-year-old to nine-year-old under the Chinese Revolution. Your your family were were missionaries. We were in Nanking, the capital then. But if you look at the history of revolution on the radical left, the revolution never succeeds and the oppression never ends. Let's be clear. Many people are just naive. In other words, they think these good-hearted people who care about injustice, yes, they do, but the end game... Is revolution. The second word, oligarchy. You can see an increasing gap between ordinary people and the American elite. And that's extremely dangerous. So America's shifting from a democracy to an oligarchy. The third word, homecoming. Everyone knows the biblical word for repentance, the New Testament word, Greek, means an about turn of heart and mind. The Hebrew word, Add something an about turn of heart and mind that it's a coming home, because like when you go like wrong, the prodigal yeah, there's an alienation, and you come home, America needs to come home to the best of its first principles, of course, has to address the evils right. and the contradictions and the hypocrisy, slavery, racism,
0: but we have to come to ourselves as the prodigal son did, that he
1: realized he had made some wrong choices, exactly. And so I would argue American needs to stop and to think. But one of the missing elements is leadership. So in the 1850s, when you had a similar division, Lincoln addressed the evil slavery, but in the light of what he called the better angel of the American nature. And, of course, he always had a firm conviction in the Declaration. Like Martin Luther King, it was a promissory note. Who are the leaders today at the highest levels? I mean, President Biden talking about restore the soul of America. He never says what on earth made America America and so We need leadership to well, call even, the even nation back. Even in the
0: previous administration, and and I obviously worked very closely with the, with President Trump, and the, the, the call to make America great again, I often, you know, talk to him about... Well, America has to be good before it can be great. And there, there is, I think, even there we stepped over the fundamental idea that America needs to return to God.
1: Yeah. And clearly it wasn't the economy that made America great. It wasn't the military. It was ideas, beliefs, convictions. And that's what's missing, a leader who can address that. You know, one of my European friends, Tony, said, compare Parliament Square in London, Westminster With them all in Washington. All the big American monuments, Lincoln, Jefferson, World War II, Martin Luther King, screeds of writing. The whole Gettysburg Address on the wall. In Westminster, you have three statues, and the longest has three words, Martin Luther King. The second one has two words, Nelson Mandela, and the third statue has only one word, Churchill. In other words, America's a nation by intention and ideas. And if you lose those, nothing. America
0: needs to stop to think and return home. But there's so much noise today, the, 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 the political noise, the cultural
1: noise. It's almost as if Americans have forgotten how to think. No question. But I was at a big dinner with people you'd recognize and admire, and I admired them up on Capitol Hill a couple of weeks ago. But I said to my wife afterwards, it was all World War I trench warfare. They do this, we fight back there, and so on. Where's you know, the Greek word for general is our English word for strategy. Where are the leaders who have a sense of history and a strategic grasp of the whole battlefield and call America back in a big picture way to its roots? Well, let's talk about that, Os Guinness, because in, in the book,
0: in the Magna Carta of Humanity, you go to the origins of the freedom of 1776, and you don't go to Philadelphia. Uh, you don't go to Runnymede. You don't go to Athens. You go to Mount Sinai.
1: Why? The Reformation was the quarry from which the ideas came. So historians call the 17th century the biblical century following the Reformation in the 16th century. And they were fascinated with the Hebrew Republic. The American Constitution comes from the Hebrew Covenant. And, of course, if you look back to the early church, they copied Roman structures. Roman structures were not covenantal. They were hierarchical. So you had a Caesar and a consuls and senators, and you had the pope and the cardinals and the bishops. And hierarchical structures get corrupted. All power tends to be corrupted, and absolute power is corrupted absolutely, and so on. The Reformation said, no, the biblical way is covenantal. And a covenant depends on your freely chosen consent. Exodus is where the consent of the government comes from. Exodus is where the separation of powers comes from, and you go on down the line. Americans don't realize how much of the American experiment comes from the book of Exodus and then expanded a little in the book of Deuteronomy. Those two books are the key to the American Revolution. So in, in,
0: in the book, you talk about the three revelations of Exodus.
1: Explain those. Well, you mean the parts of the covenant. Right. If you look at the covenantal system, one, it depends on freely chosen consent. So the Lord puts out the covenant, but three times it says all that the Lord says we will do. The people signed on. Michael Walzer at Princeton calls this an almost democracy. The second thing you see there is a morally binding pledge. A covenant is deeper than a contract. A contract is only law, and you want to make it as narrow as you can, and self-interest is what you're after. A covenant is comprehensive and lasting. You take, say, a marriage covenant, till death do us part. That's the Hebrew covenant. Now, the problem there is the Lord keeps his word. We don't, and so covenants break down. But the third part is you have the reciprocal responsibility of all for all. Every Jew, responsible for every Jew you love your neighbor as yourself in other words there's a collective solidarity now transfer that to America every American should be responsible for the American Republic now that's citizenship but think how that's broken down open border come in regardless or you take the chaos and confusion over voting the ideals of citizenship. While well, you take public education, civic education, citizenship's broken down. But it should be something deeply meaningful, going back to the covenantal arrangement.
0: Well, we're going to continue that conversation, talking about the, the conflicting worldviews that are at play right now in America. You know, we often refer to it as left and right. Of course, that goes back to the French Revolution as well, and. And how do we move forward? How do we rediscover, or as you write in the book, a rebirth, a re-rebirth of freedom? How do we go about that in America? Folks, we're going to continue our conversation with author Oz Guinness, author of the Magna Carta of Humanity, Sinai's Revolutionary Faith, and the Future of Freedom. Stick with us. We're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of the break.
2: We often hear that religious liberty is something we must protect, but what is it? Simply put, it is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. So, why should people care about protecting religious liberty, both domestically and internationally? At Family Research Council, we believe that fighting for religious liberty is essential because it is an inherent human right that all governments have a responsibility to protect. Unfortunately, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a terrible reality around the world, yet so often the media turns a blind eye while attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. As Christians, we look to Scripture as our authority, and in it we have a clear calling from God to pray and care for the persecuted. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. Learn more about what you can do to help the persecuted by accessing Family Research Council's latest resources on religious liberty at frc.org slash religious liberty.
3: What do abortion, pornography, and human trafficking have in common? They all violate human dignity and worth, treating people as objects to be bought, sold, and discarded. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every person is made in the image of God and has inherent dignity and worth. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by providing helpful resources that address abortion, human trafficking, pornography, and more. To learn more, visit FRC.org slash life.
0: In a culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood, but men need a model of leadership they can follow. Stand Courageous Men's Ministry seeks to help men develop a strong biblical character. Build and rebuild relationships and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Find an event near you at StandCourageous.com.
1: Here at FRC, we stand. We love to stand. We can't stop standing. We love standing so much... We actually removed all the chairs, couches, and stools from our premises. But that wasn't enough for us. We got USA-made 15-ounce stand mugs. So that if we ever forget what to do, we're reminded by the USA-made ceramic always close at hand. Whether drinking a morning brew, sipping afternoon tea, or chowing down on dinner, everything served in a stand mug just pairs oh so well. Does a conscience that stands for faith, family, and freedom ever truly go thirsty? Get your stand mug at TonyPerkins.com and, as always, keep standing.
0: Welcome back to this special edition of Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, the website, TonyPerkins.com. My guest in studio, Oz Guinness, he is here with me. Before the break, we were uh, discussing his latest book, The Magna Carta of Humanity, Sinai's Revolutionary Faith and the Future of Freedom. Uh, we uh, we, we kind of got started here with the premise of the book following from the Kind of a continuation of this contrast between freedom of 1776, the American Revolution, freedom or the concept of it in 1789, the French Revolution. You know, one of the things we see in the French Revolution, and I think is, well, let me ask you the question. I'm not going to answer it myself, but is a hatred of God central to that leftist
1: 1789 view of freedom? Alexander Solzhenitsyn used to say that hostility to God is deeper in the radical revolutionary left than even politics and economics. Now that does go back to the French Revolution. Because you remember, you had church and state, throne and altar, right. in collusion, both incredibly oppressive. And so the revolution threw off both. And I often quote Diderot, one of the encyclopedists, and His great remark was, we will never be free until we strangle the last king with the guts of the last priest. In other words, the hatred of the oppressive church was at the heart of it. Now, let's be candid. The church was oppressive. right. And so the major reason for European secularity, secularism, was the corruption and the revulsion against the oppression of state churches. Now, America never had that because of the genius of the First Amendment. Religion was disestablished, and it was made voluntary based on the dictates of conscience. The tragedy is you've had a growth of secularism here, and with some of the excesses of the way religion and public life has been portrayed, you've now got an American equivalent of that European hatred and hostility, and it's becoming ever more powerful. So if we go back to what
0: we were discussing earlier about the revelation at Mount Sinai, which is the foundation for freedom, mm-hmm. you know, the Jewish people being the first to experience that, and then America have this new nation, the birth of a new nation, can, can we really then have that type of freedom that leads to prosperity individually and collectively without
1: an appreciation or recognition of God? No. Because at the foundation, where does freedom come from? In other as you think, the Egyptians weren't free under the pharaohs. The Babylonians, everything came from your stars. For the Greeks, it was fate and necessity. Take, say, Oedipus Rex. And people think, well, we're modern and we all believe in freedom. We don't. If you go back to many of the great secularists, Bertrand Russell, J.B. Watson, B.S. Skinner, Or come down to Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, Yuval Harari, the modern atheists. They have no grounding for freedom. Why? All you have is naturalistic science. You know, Russell says, what science cannot discover, man cannot know. Well, science cannot discover freedom. Science works backwards from effects to their causes. Freedom looks forward. So it's a simple, stunning fact that modern atheism has no foundation at all for freedom. But it does have a hatred toward God. Yeah. But where does freedom come from? The God of the Bible who's sovereign and he's made us in his image. We're not sovereign, but we are significant. And we have the capacity for choice and responsibility and freedom. And God treats us as free people. So those that are screaming for freedom is
0: really a different type of freedom those that want the license to do whatever they want actually
1: become their own captives absolutely not only that we're now in not only post-truth you know the economists cover coming from Nietzsche. we're post-truth we're now increasingly post rights and people are clamoring for rights have no basis why should humans be treated differently if they're not made in the image of God and we're only machines or animals or naked apes or selfish genes, there's no basis for rights or freedom. In other words, these great truths come from the scriptures. We're and without to that... To Mount Sinai. Absolutely. So
0: to finish that thought, without that, America does not have a way forward. Ultimately, no. Absolutely right. I mean... It, I mean, I think you state this, I've stated it. I mean, America's never been a, a place where everybody here is a Christian. No, no. But we've had a shared worldview that would, majority, that would recognize God in times past that has allowed us to agree, even among the founders. They weren't all necessarily Bible believing Christians, but they shared uh, a view of God that allowed them to work together to create a nation that, you know, has really stood the test of time.
1: Yeah. But if you take, say, human dignity, that is a Jewish and Christian right. idea which underlies the entire West. And all the great founders and framers would have believed in that. So right. at the and time more, of... what I would rev- call a biblical
0: worldview. Absolutely. And that, without that, though, I mean, it's like having a manual... Throwing the manual away and expecting to still be able to uh, to operate the machinery.
1: Mm-hmm. No, exactly.
0: So, all right, here's where we are. We're up against a break. We're going to have to go, go to break here in just a moment. But I want to set the stage for our next segment is, right, right, we've kind of diagnosed very briefly the, the problem. We have this conflict over an understanding of freedom. Some that freedom is uh, whatever they want to do. Another, the 1776 is ordered liberty the two are in conflict, what's the path forward? How do we um, have a homecoming, as you described earlier? How do we have this re-rebirth of freedom? Is it possible? What must we do individually as, as Christians, as parents, as leaders? What do we do, um, what, what, I mean, how do we chart that course forward? So that's what we're gonna talk about next folks I hope you will stick with us don't go away because we're going to continue our conversation with Oz Guinness when we return about the homecoming the way forward how does America have a re rebirth of freedom I think the uh, the, the hour is late uh, America is definitely in trouble we all must be responding we're going to talk about that next here in the special edition of Washington watch don't go away
3: Stay informed with what's going on in our nation's capital, make a difference in your community, and keep your friends and family up to date with Family Research Council's Stand Firm mobile app. This tool serves to bring Christians across America together in advancing faith, family, and freedom. With the Stand Firm app, you will have all our content available at your fingertips and will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download FRC's Stand Firm app or by going to frc.org slash app.
2: In the season our nation is in, it is necessary for Christians to pray, to stand for truth, and to, above all things, seek after the Lord. Every Wednesday, FRC and FRC Action President Tony Perkins hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus our attention on the Lord first and in every aspect of our lives. The purpose of this is to help equip you to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christians for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog that's being created by the biased lenses of the mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Stand weekly broadcast, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org.
0: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us for this special edition. My guest in studio today, spending the entire program. Don't get to do this often, but I like to do it. Uh, We're talking with Oz Guinness, prolific author and incisive social critic. He uh, has written a new book. That's about a year old. Been out about a year? May. May. Okay, not quite a year, but it's been out. Um, But I'm a little slow reading. It is the Magna Carta of Humanity, Sinai's Revolutionary Faith in the Future of Freedom. And this, what I like about your book, Oz, is it is the intersection where I live. It is the intersection of political reality, theory, but also biblical truth. And and I don't see a way forward without embracing that. I mean, there's no political solution to what Mm -hmm. divides America. And... We can't stay in the ivory tower of uh, Christendom and expect to solve the problem. We have to get down and carry out the gospel and, and real works and engagement in the culture. So one of the concepts is, is, is transmission, is, is how do we transmit the values, the freedom, the ideas of 1776?
1: Well, I've tried to describe not just the, the crisis, but the constructive answers we have in the Bible. And one of the key things is transmission. You know, the rabbis put it, if you have any project that lasts longer than a single generation, you need families, you need schools, and you need history. And they point out, what did Moses talk about the night of the Passover? They're going free, 400 years of slavery. He doesn't mention freedom. They're going to the promised land of milk and honey. He never mentions it. He talks three times about children. In other words, in a free society, there are, there's a matrix of three bedrock institutions that all have to be strong. The family, the school, and the place of worship, the church or the synagogue. And the tragedy is that America is weakening and disintegrating in all, all three. three. Right. And you simply, if you don't pass on freedom well, family school and church it collapses you can't keep it. it is that by accident or by design both both i mean you take one by i'll say accident one of the keys I to family neglect, neglect. probably well, i know but you're, and neglect. Ne- yes. neglect and yes. drift and yes. you take a simple thing that's at the heart of family transition the dining table yes in europe i learned all my family history and many things in lectures and books, my family sharing stories with me. The family dining table, we were all together. I came to America the first time in 68. The family dining table in America in the six weeks I was here was like a Grand Prix refueling stop. You know, fast food and the mother drove someone to a violin lesson or a sports game. And, of course, when I came to live here, I realized that's how we all live here, fast life the family dining table has collapsed. Yes. Now, that's, now, when you say design, yes, the sexual revolution, if you read, say, Wilhelm Reich, you know, who gave us the term sexual revolution, he says quite openly, we have two enemies, the church and parents. Mm-hmm. So he says this in the 1920s, we want sex education at three and four because we'll sideline parents. And of course, that's what the left is doing quite deliberately. Aggressively, too. Quite deliberately. So sometimes by design, sometimes by drifting. Well, it could be the
0: neglect. Uh, neglect is a better term. We've neglected our responsibility. Yeah. And, and that then has opened the door for an aggressive, exactly. uh, intentional effort. Um, I just, you take if, the
1: school then. Yeah. You know, you have the public schools were the melting pot. You could come from Ireland or China or Mexico or Italy, and you became American, right, right. and you were Americanized in the, the melting pot. It was plot. the key to assimilation in America's and immigration. Pluribus, yeah, unum. There's right. no unum now. No. It was thrown out at it, the end of the 60s. It's almost as if it's it's been reversed. Oh, absolutely. In the vacuum created by throwing it out, in came Howard Zinn, and then more recently in came the 1619 Project. But let's put it bluntly the 1619 project and howard's inn are literally suicidal for american freedom america cannot continue as a free republic if that stuff is taught
0: what gives me hope, well many things give me hope but one is the reaction we're seeing by parents today that have actually gotten a whiff of this through the uh, the coronavirus and the viral mm-hmm. Uh, the online teaching that they have—they—they they got an, they got, as I said, a glimpse of what their children are being taught, and—and and now we see many of those parents showing up to school board meetings, mm-hmm. uh, running for school boards. Of course, they've been labeled by some as domestic terrorists for their actions, which again shows me a lot of this is intentional,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but there is hope, and that people are taking back responsibility. But
1: Tony, you and others must help them to talk first principles. Yeah. In other words, not just trench warfare right. and more culture warring. You want to call America back. Look at the crisis of citizenship, the open borders, bad education, chaos surrounding voting. There's no citizenship. Yeah. You know, I've lived now in this city for 30 years. I've heard talk of the wall, sanctuary cities, all this stuff. No one mentions the word citizenship. Well, 's I'm going to mention that on the other side of the break.
0: We're going to come back with the issue of citizenship and first principles and the way forward of the transmission of these values that were first seen at Mount Sinai. Folks, Oz Guinness, my guest, talking about his latest book. We're going to continue the conversation on the other side of the break. Don't go away.
2: the author of life and has created man in his image therefore we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life from conception until natural death that is why family research council works to pass laws that protect the unborn to keep you informed on this issue frc has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws that way you can know where your state stands on protecting unborn babies
4: check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash pro-life maps Hi, my name is Hannah. I'm serving as an intern here at Family Research Council and it's been a life-changing experience. Interns join FRC's team of experts as they embark upon a mission of advancing faith, family and freedom in public policy and the culture from a biblical worldview. The FRC internship is a 12 to 15 week program designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is fundamental to the reformation of government and culture. Interns receive the opportunity to work alongside and be personally and professionally developed by FRC's team of experts. This paid internship offers free housing in the heart of DC, which allows students to be fully immersed in the fast-paced political climate and to build a community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit FRC.org slash internships. That's FRC.org slash internships. Stay
3: informed with Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With the Stand Firm app, you will have all our content available at your fingertips and will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. You will have access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Search Stand Firm on your mobile device to download FRC's Stand Firm app.
2: We often hear that religious liberty is something we must protect. But what is it? Simply put, it is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. So, why should people care about protecting religious liberty, both domestically and internationally? At Family Research Council, we believe that fighting for religious liberty is essential because it is an inherent human right that all governments have a responsibility to protect. Unfortunately, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a terrible reality around the world, yet so often the media turns a blind eye while attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. As Christians, we look to Scripture as our authority, and in it we have a clear calling from God to pray and care for the persecuted. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. Learn more about what you can do to help the persecuted by accessing Family Research Council's latest resources on religious liberty at frc.org slash religious liberty.
0: You are listening to Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, tonyperkins.com. If you uh, miss any of today's uh, program, you can find it later Tony talking to Oz Guinness, he's in studio with me, the Magna Carta of Humanity, Sinai's revolutionary faith and the future of freedom. All right, Oz before the break we were talking about citizenship and first principles. I want to get to that for a moment, but one of the things that you were discussing about the transmission of these values, you were talking about the one of the things that's missing in the families the, is the dinner table actually sitting around having conversations, sharing, you know, it's kind of the stones that uh, they did in the Old Testament, the reminders of what God had done in the family. And I I really saw this. uh, I've been traveling to Israel for the last decade or so. And Shabbat, the the Sabbath day, is really a big family day where they sit around the table and they eat and they talk and they spend not just 30 minutes to, to gulp down a meal, but they they have interaction. And so we've kind of, in the last several years in our home, Sundays, afternoons have become that time where we not only have dinner, but we, we also have discipleship time. We talk about our Bible reading for the week, and we just find out what's going on with each other. And that's, frankly, I think something very practical that every family can, can do to be a part of trans, the
1: transmission of these values. No, what you're describing is incredibly important. And the more sense we're driven and we're responding to the triple screen gazing and all that sort of stuff, the more we realize we need a break from that. And, of course, that's what Sunday, the Sabbath, is all about, a day of worship and rest. We're not drumming the universe. We're just little finite people, and we're reminded of that.
0: It goes back to your earlier point about needing to have time to think. Yeah. In, in a way, stepping away from all the distractions that we have. And, and a lot of that is just noise. It's just cultural noise. Okay, I'm going to get back to these, uh, before we get into the role of the church, because I think the church, without the church, I don't see a way forward. But it has, the church has to have a rediscovery of its foundation, I think, before it can provide a way forward to the nation. But let's talk about these first principles in citizenship, which was the concept we left uh, our last segment with.
1: Well, put it in a big-picture way. Biblically, there are two extremes, authoritarianism, all order, no freedom, and the other extreme, anarchy, all freedom, no order. And from Abraham and then Moses through to our Lord, you have a, a vision of covenantal or ordered freedom. Mm-hmm. So people have got to understand what freedom is, and part of that is what I said, the reciprocal responsibility of every Jew for every Jew. In other words, we the people in the American terms, are responsible for the republic, every single one. So people need to know it's not just the people up top or the people out in front. It's everyone at their own level doing what's right in front of them, opportunities, crises, their gifts, their spheres of influence, and so on. We've got to have people taking responsibility.
0: And the concept of order to liberty includes in it the idea that my freedoms do not... Extend to the point of impacting or restricting
1: or removing your freedoms. Absolutely. The remarkable thing is the Jewish understanding God limits his freedom because yeah. he will not invade the individual human heart. Yeah. And that's remarkable. That's a powerful so, concept you talk about in the book because it is God is our model. Mm-hmm. He doesn't force
0: himself upon us, he, he, but he also limits his own freedom
1: in order that we might exercise ours. So all freedom has some limitation. And, of course, it means the more people there are, we've got to negotiate. How do we live freely with this huge number of people? You have to have constant negotiation so that my freedom doesn't limit your freedom and your freedom doesn't limit my freedom. And we have to keep talking to try and maximize freedom truly for everyone. But the freedom
0: that came from or the concept of freedom that came from 1789 does not see those
1: limits. No, oh, absolutely not. Now, other words, the three ideals, liberty, equality, fraternity, they stress the second and third, not the first. And whenever you put equality, America's got to learn this one, equality and liberty are in tension. And if quality ever rises above liberty, it undermines it. And there's a lot of talk today that's very dangerous talk because equality appeals, for example, right. to envy right. or you need an umpire, which is always the state. Right. And there are various things that are inbuilt problems in equality. And so the current discussion is getting rather careless and dangerous.
0: Well, folks, I want to encourage you to get a copy of Oz's book, The Magna Carta of Humanity, Sinai's Revolutionary Faith and the Future of Freedom, because our conversation here can only scratch the surface of the, the the gems that are really buried in this book, or really on the surface of the book. You just got to read it, but uh, an insightful read giving us an understanding of the foundational freedoms that we have in this country and, quite frankly, giving us the ability to to make a defense of those freedoms and yes. the origins of those freedoms. So with that said, Osgin, Guinness, I, I want to move now in our in our final few mo- minutes together, the role of the church, um, you, you make a couple of statements in the book about the, the, the church, the transformative role of the church uh, that. Frankly, you you said this earlier, the the, the church
1: has not been what it should have been. To put it mildly, I would say this is the scandal of the American church. Compared, say, with France or most European countries, we are a majority. And yet you look at tiny groups. uh, Say our friends, the Jews. They are 2% of America. But to their great credit, they punch above their weight intellectually, financially, culturally. Look at their incredible influence in culture. And we who are a majority, and we're called to be salt and light, symbols our Lord gives us of engagement and penetration, and we're not. And then you look at much of the worldliness of the church, and then you see we're part of the problem in a big way today. So we need an awakening in the church. But I would say, as a matter of hope, you look at the bankruptcy of the alternatives today, mm-hmm. and you see that the biblical answers we talked of human dignity, freedom, truth, words, and you go right through to the gospel itself. We are the champions and the guardians of the best news ever. And so we need Christians to get off the back foot, stop being defensive. We have profound answers. So you take the current talk of racism and slavery. I would argue that America's greatest evil, slavery, is meeting the establishment's greatest blind spot. They haven't a clue what to do. Meeting the radical left's greatest fraud and disaster, meeting the gospel's greatest strength and glory. But we've got to make the cross and forgiveness and all these deep truths practical for America. They're not just purely personal or purely spiritual. Right. You know, Yom Kippur was the day of atonement to answer the scandal of the golden calf. words, the nation of Israel needed atoning. America needs the cross. It won't
0: happen without the church. Can't. But the church is not in the condition to lead the nation back as of yet. It goes back to the, the, the homecoming. You know the the awakening, the prodigal that came to himself and said, "You know, I this this is not how I want to live," mm-hmm. and and I and I agree with you. I think this could be in America the churches could be, and I emphasize could be yeah. one of our greatest moments because people are looking for answers. I mean, you got the pandemic, and you know, we're in the third wave of the pandemic, and I. I don't think this is the end of it. I think we're going to see more. The New Testament, Jesus suggests we're going to see these types of things in the end times. We need to be prepared for it. It's a great opportunity to minister. Mm -hmm. What, in in terms of the practical way forward, what is the
1: way forward? How much time do we have? Oh, I have no idea how much time we have. But each of us has to think we know the Lord, so we should know whom we know why we believe what we believe, and then think through what are our callings. Each of us is different. We've got certain gifts, not other gifts, certain spheres, not other spheres. Who do we touch, our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and then ask, do we stand up? Do we speak out in all those places? We're not all responsible for all the world, right. thank God. But right where we are. Right where we are. That's it- what we've got to do, and you know the Jewish idea responsibility becomes guilt when people could stand up and don't. Right. Or they could speak out and don't. And that's where responsibility becomes guilt. You think of Niemöller in, in right. the 1930s and so on. That's what we've got to do is stand up and speak out. And, and, and that, I think, is a description or
0: a really a choice that Christians are having to make right at this moment, because as we talked about the hatred of the left has toward God and, and, and his representatives, Jesus said in Matthew, or in John uh, chapter 16, you know, he warned us that they were going to hate us just as they hated him. And He told us that so that we would not be shaken in our faith. Mm-hmm. And, and so we can't shrink back in the face of opposition. in fact, I think, we ought to be emboldened because it tells us we're on the right track because there's enough still in the church, enough in our lives that the left or, or those that are prefer the darkness over the light are offended by our reflection of the truth.
1: But we've got to ask ourselves, are they hating us for the Lord's sake or because we've been jackasses? Well, you I, know, I, we've I, got I to certainly hope it's speak. the former and not the latter. Well, there's. Too often, people are speaking up and stand, standing up speaking out, but not Christianly.
0: Yeah. No, we definitely... So in
1: a day of the social media, easy to respond quickly, yeah. instantly, emotionally. Right. right, And you spin down. Well, that, that
0: brings up another really good point from Scripture in, in the Gospel of John, which we've just been reading through, where Jesus said, I've only spoken the words the Father gave me. And I, he says, I've spoken under his authority, and I've done his will. And in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, he then commissions his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all things I have taught you. The point being, we can only speak what God has spoken, what the Lord has spoken. And and that's what we need to be speaking as believers,
1: not our own opinions and thoughts. I try and challenge myself. You take the three biblical truths, human dignity, truth and words. Am I speaking in ways that respect the dignity of someone else made in the image of God? Is it lined with truth? And are my words really seasoned with grace and respect and so on? And I think there's a lot of Christian American. Put it this way. The American Republic needs a reformation of discourse, of speech, of language. If we clean up the social media, including, let me say, the former president's, you know, we've got to challenge every brother in Christ, every sister in Christ to speak right. Christianly.
0: And and, and the, the, the measure that I use on that is that our words have to be redemptive mm-hmm. in terms sure. of what is our motivation for speaking? Is it to win an argument? Is it to, you know, put someone else in their place? Mm-hmm. Or is it to bring others to an understanding of the truth and with that truth, the freedom that comes from it?
1: Oh, that's terrific.
0: And, and, and so as Christians, you're absolutely right. We cannot, we cannot speak for ourselves, nor does our opinion matter. And it's not about winning debates. It's not about coming out on top. It is about seeing men, women, and children come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by
1: upholding the truth. Tony, the other thing I'd add to our discussion, this is a civilizational moment. 500 years of Western dominance, the West is in decline and we're in a new day for humanity globally and followers of jesus are all around the world so we've got to live in a way that honors our lord but also fits in with our brothers and sisters persecuted in china or wherever we are the guardians of these great truths that's why i think the future of humanity is at stake and this is an incredible moment and we should have Christians excited out of their socks, being the champions of the good news, the best news ever.
0: Yeah, just to think that God has entrusted us with this moment in time. And I think it is one of the most significant times, if you think of the timeline of human history. I mean, this is a very significant time on that timeline. Mm-hmm. I, I would again go back to what I had uh, said, uh, at, I think, the opening of the program. I, I really think, Oz, and you, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think fundamental to America, to the church, I should say, w- finding its way back home mm-hmm. is getting believers back into the Word of God. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that— and The that's, Word and the Spirit. It is. Well, it, we're ab- we abide in Christ when we're in mm-hmm. his Word, and his Word is in us, and that's where we find our power, the Holy Spirit. The power comes from the Holy Spirit for us to live out this revolutionary life. Uh, the Christian life is is really counterculture. It's it's mm. revolutionary from a standpoint of going against the the cultural forces and the currents.
1: You know, I'm always child my great grandfather, at the ripe old age of 23, was the lead speaker in the Irish revival of 1859, and that revival had an incredible impact, socially, culturally, and so on, as well as spiritually. And America needs an awakening. You look at what the revival of the first awakening did in terms of contributing to the American Revolution. The church needs awakening, yeah, without question.
0: As again, it's always great to uh, to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for coming in today. Great pleasure. Thank you. And uh, let me know when the next book is out because it's going to be at the top of my reading list. <laughs> okay. And, folks, I want to thank you for joining us as well. Again, uh, Oz Guinness, author of The Magna Carta of Humanity, Sinai's Revolutionary Faith and the Future of Freedom. I I want to encourage you to get to be a great book uh, to read as a family or if you've got a reading group. uh, But it's uh, it's insightful uh, into the foundations of American freedom, something we must defend each and every one of us. All right, until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.